Okay, sounds of Hugh Masekela and Grazing in the Grass. It's 11.31, and you're listening to WKDU 91.7 FM, and it's time for us to do our community spotlight here in Philadelphia. So we always want to say greetings to you and welcome to the community spotlight program. You know, we're here, we share news that you can use, including entertainment, motivation, and education topics. This weekly program airs every Sunday right here from 1130 to noon, and we can ask that you do stream us at wkdu.org slash listen now. So if you happen to be traveling, going out of the country and things like that, you can also take WKDU with you. I'm Sherry Pennington. I'm the founder and the creator of Community Spotlight. And so our guests today in the studio, we have a couple here, and I'm going to begin by letting you know about Weller, <clears throat> excuse me, Weller Thomas. He's the former CEO and publisher of Pathfinders Travel Magazine, the travel magazine for people of color. And so he um, is here with us today to give us some background on that. He launched in 1997. Weller and his wife, P.J. Thomas, founded the first leisure travel magazine in the United States, written by and for the African-American traveler. Pathfinders covered travel across the U.S., several countries on the continent of Africa, European destinations, South America, and China. In 1998, Pathfinders launched the Pathfinders Travel Group, focusing on heritage and cultural travel, with its maiden trip to the low country of South Carolina to explore Gullah Geechee culture, of which descends from the um, Liberian Sierra Leone reside. The travel group has visited the island nation of Cuba several times beginning in 1998, along with Egypt, South Africa, Europe, and other international destinations. After 25 years of publishing, Weller is now focused on providing group travel full-time, along with his passion for financial services, showing people how to position their financial assets for travel and their lives to live their lives to the fullest. Weller and his partner in life and business, PJ, recently celebrated 30 years of marriage. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and he's a native of Virginia. He now resides in Philadelphia. So we want to welcome you, Weller, and we're going to ask... PJ, to give us um, a little brief history of herself before we get started. Well, good morning, Philadelphia. It's wonderful to be here. Um, always wonderful to be able to talk about travel, and especially when it's a beautiful day like today. And I'm sure many of you are out uh, just celebrating and enjoying our uh, Wawa Welcome America event, events. Um, well, Sherry, thank you for having us, first of all. Uh, we, you know, we love talking about travel, and we particularly love talking about things as they relate to the African diaspora. And that was one of the reasons we decided to start Pathfinders uh, back in 1997. Well, it's very, very good with dates. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we just didn't see a whole lot of magazines really reflecting our heritage and our culture. And, of course, now you just can't turn around without bumping into a travel group, uh, an African-American travel group or an African-American specialized travel group. And I, I just love the way the millennials have just really 
taken, it, it's more than just, you know, going to the beach, going to South Beach, but the millennials are really, really traveling the world, and it's great to see. <clears throat> yes, it is. So when I, I mentioned um, the, who my guests were going to be, and I said that they were the authors of, um, or the publishers of Pathfinders. Everybody said, oh, yes, I remember that. I remember that publication. That was a great publication, is what they said. So I want you to talk about the Pathfinders magazine and any other future communications that you may have about it, because it seems like it has stopped for now, but I'll let you elaborate on that. Well, yes, we did Pathfinders for 25 years, and... You know, when you when you when you travel, and I, and I grew up traveling. My my father was in the Air Force, so we we traveled every year, going someplace, or mainly going from my grandmother's house as we moved from state to state. But you know, just kind of grew up traveling, grew up on the road. But um, so we did the magazine for twenty five years. Our twenty fifth year was in twenty twenty two, and we decided that was a good time to kind of retire. And people often said, well, what do you do when you retire from traveling? Oh, well, you, good you, question. you know, you kind of um, structure things just around your own interests rather than trying to decide what your readers would be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we do now. We haven't given up traveling. And, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, we still travel to Cuba yearly. And, of course, we're just in love with the Gullah Geechee culture of South Carolina. But when we uh, did Pathfinders, when we published Pathfinders, um, we published about the world. And the African diaspora definitely touches the world. Uh, A lot of that has to do, of course, with our experience during the slave passage in terms of being kind of dropped off at various destinations around the world. But as a result of that, we've made our, our mark, made our imprint Places like South America. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you went to South America, didn't you, Weller? Yeah, I had the opportunity to go to Suriname. And that was uh, very surreal in, in, in a sense because usually um, most of us from the States, we usually want to go to Rio, Bahia. But there is still a very strong um, African connection in South America. Uh, to all. And, and, and even so, they're still speaking African dialect, especially as you get down into the Amazon, which was very fascinating to me. But, um, you know, even as we've cruised through Central America, I remember we were on a cruise, um, our anniversary cruise, and we pulled into the port of Honduras. And I said, wow, this sound like African drums. And then people were there at the port, you know, with the head wraps and the African, artif- well, I say African uh, artifacts, but they were... Uh, you know, their their carvings, their uh, handmade jewelry and things of that nature. So we have touched, I believe, the entire planet. I mean, you can find um, that, you know, um, and even in Russia, there were black people. There are black people even in China. So I think the more you travel, the more you learn about the world beyond, the, you know, the pages in a book. Okay, yeah, so, well... You know, they say Adam, the first man, was a black man. <laughs> so I guess we are all over the world there. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. so yeah, travel is such an exciting thing. Um, can't wait to start doing it again. A lot of us have, you know, been locked down and are really getting out this year especially. Yes. So I'd like to raise my hand. I'm happy to be traveling. And I also, <laughs> um, you know, just want to say uh, we also have uh, – Travel expert here on WKDU, the Black Experience in Music. 
Clara Lewis, actually. She's our global advisor, and she actually gives us tips several times a day on Sunday. So you got to listen to her sometimes. She comes on at 1.30 a.m., 7.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 4.30 p.m. So I just had to give a plug out for Claire because she does an, an excellent job and keeps us in touch Good. Just like you guys have been doing. Yeah. Again, I've heard nothing but rave reviews about your magazine. And so the cultural interest, you seem to be really vested into the culture. And just creating this magazine for black people, like you said, because I guess there was a void there. And um, Yes, there was. And I've, I've always been interested in reading a lot of the travel magazines. But when I was reading a lot of the magazines... Although the destinations were beautiful, um, it just didn't grab me. You know, there was something about it that just didn't grab me. And then I, you know, you always want to know as a black person, am I going to be welcome? You know, absolutely. Um, perhaps not so much now with the younger generation, but certainly with my generation um, and my, you know, my parents' generation who experienced Jim Crow, mm. you want to know if I go to this destination, what am I going to be confronted with? And, you know, quite frankly, Sherry, there's still a couple of states that I would like to visit, but in the back of my mind, you know, places mm. like Iowa, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota, you mm -hmm. know, am I going to be welcomed in those destinations? And that's what we thought about as we were uh, looking at other magazines and they were touting going to places um, we thought let's do it ourselves and we never wrote about anything that we personally did not experience or our writers did not experience so it was very very important to us to have you know eyes and ears on the ground and to be able to write from a personal perspective and an african-american perspective I love that. I was going to ask you that. So how were you verifying this? And you just answered. That was a lot of traveling. If you did that magazine for all of for those 25 years. years wow. Right. And all of our writers. And we had professional journalists. I know there's a lot of uh, people now that uh, are called influencers. But our journalists were, were, were people who worked at this by trade, people who studied this in college. So... Uh, more than just, you know, showing up and writing about what the destination wanted you to, to maybe highlight. But we would often go, you know, beyond that because that was our responsibility to our readers. Excellent. So I know you guys have been um, excited about the Geechee. Um, the culture. Gullah Geechee. Gullah yeah. Geechee. Yeah. And I know that um, you're... You're still called the Pathfinders, is that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're still Pathfinders. Um, our website is still active, uh, pathfinderstravel.com. Um, you know, for 23 years, we were uh, strictly print and digital. But in 2000, the fall of 2020, we went um, entirely digital and continued that. But the, the whole um, publishing industry has changed. I think you guys even realize here locally now, most of us are getting our news digitally yeah. from uh, the Enquirer. I mean, even Oprah Winfrey's magazine is now digital. So we had we had to kind of wake up and recognize that the business has changed. But our passion has always been travel and culture. So we're still doing trips. Um, we will be doing a newsletter that will come out probably monthly. Okay. And uh, we'll highlight the things that we're going to do. Um, but speaking about the Gullah Geechee culture, we did a 
family reunion conference in Hilton Head back in 2002, and we were just introduced to these wonderful people. We, we call them our Gullah cousins. Okay. And <clears throat> they're still speaking the Gullah dialect. And what was so fascinating is that what we used to call the Geechee language or people, you know, we called them Geechees, which was very derogatory when I was growing up. But um, it's now been um, acknowledged that that is a, an official African dialect, an official language. And um, people from Sierra Leone, as well as Liberia, when they come to South Carolina, they really understand the dialect, the words. So um, it's, it is fascinating. And then you find a lot of the West African culture, the sweet grass baskets, and a lot of the foods that we eat came from the uh, West Coast of Africa. So we, we find it fascinating and it's fun and very, very entertaining as well. Good. And one of the things that we're getting ready to go discover in September, October. September. In September is the new, let me Inter get this right. International. The new International African American Museum. Which, As opposed um, to the museum in Washington, D.C., which is part of the Smithsonian. But this is another new museum. Absolutely. And um, it just opened this week, as a matter of fact, uh, June 27th. Originally had been scheduled to open in January, but due to uh, problems with humidity and moisture, they just opened. So we're very excited to be able to go in the fall. Didn't want to go in June. Yes. So we know if you think it's hot here in Philly, you can imagine what it's like right now in Charleston. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, we are excited to see that. We tried to go see it earlier, but as Weller said, you know, they had, uh, you know how it is when you're, when you're hiring a contractor. They always tell you it's going to be finished in two mm. weeks and it's finished in four weeks, right? Yeah. So it's no different with the museum. But um, this is really interesting because one of the things about South Carolina, and you all probably know this from having had First Lady Michelle Obama uh, in the White House, 40% um, of the... African Americans can trace their history through South Carolina, and many of us came in through the uh, the ports there. And you've heard, you've, you've heard people talk about Sullivan's Island, and one of the things we don't want to say is that Sullivan's Island is the Ellis Island for African Americans. No, it is not. Mm -hmm. You know, Sullivan's Island was Su Sullivan's Island, where they you know they they held us in, in captivity, but uh, they had a lot of the pestilence houses where they would. Um, kind of make sure that people that they were bringing ashore were not sick or diseased or anything. But there is a marker there and um, to acknowledge all of the African-Americans that came in. And there's also what Toni Morrison called from her poem, A Bench by the Side of the Road. So I encourage you guys, when you get down to South Carolina, please make a point of visiting the museum. They've got so many other things there. Um, you know, the, the marketplace where black people were sold. Um, and I must say, they've got some of the plantations there, and I wasn't crazy about visiting them at first. But I have learned more about visiting some of the plantations, Sherry, and, and uh, taking some of those tours than any other place. And the history is well documented. Okay. So the museum is going to be in Charleston? Is that where yes, it is? Yes, it Charleston? is in Charleston, and it is a part of our tour that we're doing in um, September. We're going to start off in um, Georgetown, South Carolina, mm -hmm. which, um, interesting enough, is what used to be the rice capital of the world. Right. Um, they, there are several um, 
Actually, there are several museums, but there is actually a Gullah Museum in Georgetown. So we will start there and then move on to Charleston. We'll spend okay. two to three days, and we will end up in Beaufort, South Carolina, which we absolutely love. Um, that, that is the home of Robert Smalls, who was the uh, former, um, I won't say military, but he actually... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I was PGA in my ear. But the... Um, the Robert Smalls was very instrumental in um, um, pivoting the war, the Civil War, and he actually ended up um, stealing a Confederate uh, ironclad ship. Later, um, freed, helped to free a lot of our uh, ancestors, and ended up purchasing his slave master's home and ended up taking care of his slave master's mother. Mm. So we will be able to visit, uh, you know, you'll be able to see his home. There's a wonderful bust of him at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Beaufort. And I believe there's now a statue of uh, Harriet Tubman that they just commemorated back in April of this year. So there's really a lot of our history and culture. And, of course, as I always say, you can't get a bad meal in South Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) I I never thought I would be eating grits until I had some um, shrimp and grits (laughs) from down in that area. All right. It's wonderful. Travel must eat. Yes. Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know another one of your favorite stomping grounds, so to speak, is Cuba. Oh, absolutely. So I want to get into some of the cultural experiences that you've had in Cuba and just what's your experiences? Well, we first visited in 1997 as our anniversary, and we were just floored by the reception that we received as African-Americans. Uh, of course, they thought I was Cuban, <laughs> but once getting past that, uh, we were welcomed and uh, we were able to explore and find out about the Yoruba culture in Cuba. There are people still in Cuba speaking African dialect. They're still practicing the religion there, and it is the largest uh, religion in Cuba. But, you know, the music, uh, the Afro-Cuban influence there, the mumba, the dance, uh, the salsa, the... Um, cha-cha-cha, all of these things come out of Cuba. <clears throat> the, the, the food is just wonderful. But to be able to um, w- go there, and we find that legally, legally go. Mm-hmm. We don't sneak through uh, Mexico or Canada. We've always had licensed tours there. But the fascinating thing in Cuba is that everyone has health care. Everybody in Cuba is educated. They can read. The, the, the uh, government under the Castro re- regime made sure that everybody shared in the wealth. And, you know, I don't want to get into the politics, but when we look at some of the differences here, how expensive our health care is to be able to go there and recognize that everybody will have health care. One of the nice things that uh, we discovered when we went to to Cuba, uh, touring the cigar factories, of course, they have the, the people are sitting on the floor. Now imagine this: the people are sitting on the floor, they're rolling the cigars all day, but up front is a person. They call that person the reader, and that person's job, Sherry, is just to read the newspaper to the workers, oh. and 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 that's what they do. The people are very very informed. Wow. They have about a ninety something percent literacy rate. 
in Cuba. So that's one of the reasons they put a high value on education. Imagine sitting on a factory floor at General Motors and being read the newspaper, the Detroit Free Press or something all day long. You know, you have to be informed. Fascinating. Yes. Never heard of anything like that. Well, the other things that we we do there, uh, we do explore the culture, but we do have fun. Uh, We went up into the mountains, rode horseback up into the mountains and went to a, was it, um, what were they growing? They were growing the tobacco. Tobacco and coffee. Uh, so we, we, we have what we call the, the real Cuban cigars that are fresh, they're hand-rolled. The coffee is, um, as I say, I call it coffee, I call it lead because it is so strong that um, you really do have to cut back. As a matter of fact, the, the coffee in Cuba, and, and I laugh because my wife loves coffee. We were at a hotel in uh, Havana, and they had this machine. And um, they, uh, they kept pointing at my wife and said, Cafe Americano. And we said, what's that? Oh, it's coffee with the milk already mixed in it. That's the, only, that's the way the Americans would have to drink it. But uh, we, we just find it fascinating. Uh, you're very, uh, one thing I definitely want to emphasize for people who've never traveled to Cuba, you are actually safer in Cuba than you are in Philadelphia. Tell them about that time we were sitting in the park. Yes, we're, <laughs> we're sitting in Central Park on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. We had befriended a young gentleman named Jeffrey who was our translator. And we're sitting in the park, and it was just wonderful. There's grandparents out with their grandkids and their little baby carriages, and all of a sudden, we heard what we thought was a disturbance, and we looked around and said, okay, I think it's time for us to go. And Jeffrey says, what's the matter? We said, well, what's going on? And he listened for a couple of minutes, and he said, oh, they're arguing about the baseball game today. Okay. And we said, oh, that, that's, that's the ruckus. Well, you, you, you know, as, as Americans sitting in a park past the sunset, we weren't that comfortable anyway so when we heard these men getting very animated we were like okay let's go back to the hotel and jeffrey was like what's the matter what's the matter and we kept pointing 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 and imagine when we found out they were discussing the baseball Baseball. game you know in this center square so that's the kind of thing you do with parents out and People just, you know, you just feel so safe. Okay. And I, I can imagine that this must have been what it was like when uh, people were sitting around in the black community listening to the Friday night fights with Joe Lewis or listening to Jackie Robinson. Well, that's the way it is in wow. Cuba now. It's still like that. Have you faced any challenges at all during your visits there? No, um, not really a challenge. You learn to adapt when you travel. Um, we've learned over the years, if you're going somewhere else and it's just like the United States, then, then why go? Mm. But I think on our most recent trip, uh, we were there for our vow renewal, and we actually had planned to stay for 30 days. And what we recognize is that there's a food shortage right now. So we wouldn't be able to go into a supermarket like you could here. Now, however, you can eat out in all these wonderful restaurants. And as a tourist, you want for nothing. I mean, we were eating lobster, red snapper. You could get lamb. There's nothing that you can't get as Mm -hmm. long as you have the money. And Mm -hmm. as long as most of the time, as long as you are a tourist, uh, we we cannot uh, make light of the fact that because of the the policies uh, between the U.S. towards Cuba, uh, it's very, very hard for the Cuban people right now. They're really kind of suffering now the way that they suffered when they, they went through the collapse of the 
Russian government because Russia was a big supporter. And then they were getting uh, oil from Venezuela, Venezuela under Hugo Chavez. <clears throat> so all of those things have, have uh, resulted in a very, very difficult time for the Cuban people. But we do plan on doing missionary work to Cuba every, every year. Mm -hmm. And we invite your listeners because we know they're compassionate people mm -hmm. to perhaps join us on one of these mission trips to help out. Okay. Well, Absolutely. And, and sure, if I might, I would just like to say you can find out more about Pathfinders at uh, www.pathfinderstravel.com. That's Pathfinders with an S, travel.com. And, and we love to connect with you and really appreciate this opportunity to share yeah. our, you know, our passion about travel and the destinations that we go to. They have some excellent stories to be told, I'm sure, many, many, many more. Yes. And this I mean, obviously, you have really immersed yourself into those cultures and retain all of that information. <laughs> it's yeah. excellent, excellent. Um, I, you know, we can't start this conversation. I really want to know what made you first want to go to Cuba. We have like four minutes remaining. Well, I'll speak for myself. I, I've just always been fascinated with um I think the Caribbean, it was one of the places that I listed. When I left high school, I said, there are certain places I want to travel in the world. Now, Cuba was in my top five. But I think after going there, PJ and I, we just couldn't believe it. We said, our government has lied to us. It's not like they told us, you know. And she says, you need to bring a group down here. And I said, I want to find out how I can do that. Mm -hmm. And six months later is when did I did it. my very first group. Why did you want to go to Cuba still? It was on your bucket list, but well, why? Go ahead. Uh, Cuba why is not, right? only, <laughs> yes, exactly. Why not Cuba, right? But Cuba is only 90 miles okay. away. So that's like going, uh, going to a forbidden island and oh. it's, Located in Washington, D.C. Your curiosity's curiosity is there. Yeah. Curiosity. <laughs> and any good traveler has to be curious. And like Wellis said, you want to be able to explore things that you can't get at home. And we'd heard so much about the music and the culture and, and, and this island. And, of course, you know, who can't remember the Godfather and that scene <laughs> in The Godfather where they're going to Cuba and you're like, what? Mm -hmm. So just a curiosity. Cool, cool. Yeah, and, and just, I guess, the rebel in me, I, I just refuse that people tell me, I can't yeah. do this, I can't go there. And I say, if it's legal, we're going to do it. I don't want to break any laws. but mm -hmm. and, and I emphasize that when we go to Cuba, it is a licensed tour. Sure. You don't have to worry about getting uh, uh, kept in Cuba. You'll be able to come yeah, home safely. Yeah, but come back safely. <laughs> you know, real quick, I was trying to do a little bit of research about Cuba prior to the interview because I mm -hmm. knew you guys are going there. And it was just so interesting, um, things that people, and I don't know if this still exists, what you have to go through to even be able to enter into the country. There was like a list of 10 different reasons that you could go. And one of them was to support the people of Cuba. Right. And I guess that's how most people get in. But there was like really some weird kind of things. Yeah. You know. Well, well you know what's fascinating? There are 13 official categories. Okay. It can be under religion, which we traveled on our first uh, two trips to Cuba. I even had a, a Cuban, um, I took a baseball team there once under a sports license, and they actually played Cuban youth. Wow. Yeah. Which would be great to be able to do again, because, yes. you know, the world's problems are really going to be solved by the young people. Exactly. Excellent. Exactly. So I just want to let my audience know that we have been speaking with Weller and PJ Thomas 
of the Pathfinders, and you could get more information about where they've been, where they're going, and you too can go with them if they go to the site at, what is it? Pathfinderstravel.com. Yep, very good. So it's been such a pleasure having you guys. Thanks for the information. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. And you're going to Cuba with us on our next trip. All right, now, (laughs) pack me up in that suitcase. So (laughs) I'll go if I get a sponsor. But anyway, (laughs) y'all hear that out there? So we thank you all for listening. Hope that you have been inspired by and learned some some news from the brother and sister that are here um, that delivered all of that information. As we always say, if you have news that you think we can use, by all means, submit it to WKDU.org. Attention, Community Spotlight. And uh, we always say stay protected out there, be safe, and waiting for Al Knight to come. We're going to remind you to put the guns down. Stay yeah. tuned. Stay tuned with us. Here comes Al Knight. And uh, at 1159 WKDU, Philadelphia.